It's the Exit 52 podcast presented by Jimmy Seafood. And fellas, we are back for another week. And guys, this this has happened a couple times, I feel like, in podcasts, the history of our podcast, where there's a topic we've been talking about for weeks and weeks, anticipating news, anticipating news. We record an episode, we drop it, and then that news inevitably breaks, and we have to wait forever to talk about it. Um, and that is what happened with the hiring of uh, Ravens offensive coordinator Todd Munkin. Um, so apologies. I guess we could have done like an instant analysis sort of thing, but um, we have now waited a week to talk about this. So we'll dive right into it. I don't see any reason why we would why we would why we would wait. Banks, your thoughts on Todd Munkin? Um, I love the hire. Like I, going into the process, I don't think I knew enough about him where I was like excited about it from the jump. But everything I've read about him since the hire is awesome. Like I went. Apparently, they don't let coaches talk very much at Georgia. Uh, to the media, it's just kind of a Kirby Smart thing. I don't really know what's up with that, but he was did a series of interviews, you know, with the media before the college football playoff, and his answers were awesome. Just like in terms of what the things that they've done to build around, you know, sets of Bennett and all kinds of things and the tools that that he was given, um, and just a realistic outlook on, you know, what his profession is and what his job is and what he's supposed to do. Like he's not a system guy that is going to come in and try to install something um, based on something that he's tried to do with other people in other places. He's going to come in and he's going to um, see what he's got and he's going to build something that complements the players. And I think that's exactly what um, given some of the state of flux that the organization's in on the offensive side of the ball. Yes. I'm talking about the quarterback situation. Um, they wanted somebody that could kind of roll with the punches, no matter what, what goes on there. You know, somebody who can expand the passing game, whether that be with Lamar Jackson or with somebody else or build something around what we have um, given the circumstances that we don't know yet. So um, either way, he just like all these interviews, all these things, like a couple athletic articles that really summed up um, how he's, you know, there's a quote in particular that was about how he would rather be um, coaching for pennies on the dollar and winning versus making big bank in Alaska and going four and eight or something like that. Like just some awesome quotes in there. Um, so I quickly became a big Todd Munkin guy um, pretty, you know, within an hour or two of us hiring him. Yeah, it's an interesting hire in terms of I feel like when you get into these searches a lot of times and Ravens fan did this, you're always looking for like the young, hot, up and coming name. That's like what everyone gets attracted to. Like who is the person that everyone hasn't had yet or whatever to like do the thing to take us to the next level. And within this search, Todd Munkin was sort of like retread. It sounds like a negative word and it's not in this context. Like he is a guy that has been, you know, a multi-time offensive coordinator in the league. He's obviously led this Georgia offense, as you said. Um, And I don't know, you know, Georgia did great things offensively. Maybe people are more reserved because they have the best talent. And for the most part, they can just out talent people on both sides of the ball. So, but the one thing you have to look at from Munkin standpoint is like, he likes to throw it around. Um, And, for a Ravens fan base that got very annoyed with, you know, some of the lack of expansion in Greg Roman's offense. Um, now I say that they also got upset when he threw the ball too. So maybe you can't really please everybody. Um, but with the bucks with Jamison, Ryan Fitzpatrick, they threw it around a lot. 
with Baker. Nick Chubb was productive and Baker Mayfield was productive. So I am also excited about the hire. I think when it initially dropped, I wasn't. And maybe that was sort of all of us to a certain extent. But I think he brings you a veteran coach that's been around the block and, you know, brings a little bit of a different slant than Greg Roman. And now it's about what personnel they put at wide receiver for Munkin to do any of the things he wants to do in the passing game. Because ultimately now that's the thing they have to figure out. Obviously, quarterback is a whole nother kettle of fish. We don't need to go into that again with Lamar. But, you know, they have to address that position. If it feels like Munkin wants to do what he wants to do, I don't know if, if you guys feel like I'm on the right track there, but when his other offenses, they throw in the ball. So we shall see. Is kettle of fish a term? Is that a kettle of fish? Kettle of fish. Kettle of fish meaning. I don't count it. It sounds good. I mean, it rolls off the tongue. A bad state of affairs. Defined as a bad state of affairs, something to be considered or dealt with matter, a different kettle of fish. Sounds like the Lamont situation. I think I kind of nailed that one. I think I kind of nailed that one. Shoot. I was thinking fish in a barrel, but you did. I mean, I like fish in a barrel. That's also a good one. Uh, Do you think, do you think Todd, do you think, (laughs) what do you think Todd Munkin will do? Do you think he will, in his last two NFL stints, they have thrown the ball a lot. The Ravens are not really built right now to throw the ball a lot, personnel wise. So I'm interested to see how those, my question to both of you is, does he, acquiesce to the personnel or do they now go out and try to find some personnel for him um he's definitely got it done at a multitude of levels so the ravens seem to have gotten a a good hire here maybe just not the exciting one people wanted but i don't know who the exciting one was unless you wanted like cliff kingsbury but that's just a sexy name and a face like that's not actually like a sexy hire i agree Um, i agree he's awful I think the answer to the question I think is he acquiesces to what we have and and that that's fluid, you know, not just the quarterback thing but the wide receivers but there's some examples of of his his journey in the NFL at least as he spent time in Tampa as their offensive coordinator um he came in uh for Jameis Winston's second year when they're really building out an aerial attack offense and he had some he's had a lot of different responsibilities within you know in addition to the offensive quarter thing like he he gets that extra label like wide receivers coach quarterbacks coach he's passing game coordinator he's got all these little things sprinkled on into his resume um and wide receiver coach was one of them in tampa and so they drafted chris godwin during his time there and developed him built a relationship with him he could be a guy that that could you know come along and he's available um who could be a fit for the ravens maybe not the the big awesome acquisition that everybody wants but he would definitely be an addition um that would make us better but then on the flip side you spent a year in um 2019 in cleveland where they ran the ball right down people's throats for the most part you had nick chubb and Kareem hunt and that whole offense there with baker mayfield baker struggled we know that um this is the team that 2019 browns that shoved it right down our throats in week four last game we lost that season until the postseason but um it's just an example of how uh he can kind of go with what he has and and build an offense that complements those skills and and um he's not going to try to fit a square peg into a round hole type of situation so um i'm excited about that and i think that's what they had to do given the, the scenario at hand um and you know he leans towards the pass like you said and that's that's the upside for sure cuz if we can keep um 
keep what we got going on the ground and and keep some of that foundation there and just add the pass game a little more. I think everybody knows that we'd be humming along. So, and that's, that's the with Lamar Jackson scenario. So um, again, it's fluid. It's hard to speak on it, but overall um, he is somebody who molds the clay. You know, he's not, he's not rigid in his ways. And I I'm with you. I I think, they're also, I mean, they're going to add receivers. They're just going to. I think, I think because they have to. Again, is it going to be a Hopkins? Is it going to be someone like that? Probably not. But again, I, I think I think he's gonna kind of conform to, to what the Ravens have, and he's gonna be his old self. And like you said, I mean, we've seen what he can do in Cleveland and with with Tampa, who, you know, I I don't know what you want to consider that Tampa team if there was like a good offense or a good passing, you know, Jameis is his own animal. So I don't know, but um Again, I mean, it's see, it's like you said, it's not the sexiest name. It's not the Beanie or Kingsbury that I think people were really dead set on. But I think it's, I think once you kind of break it down, and and start looking a little deeper at it, I think it's, I think it's a really good hire. Um, again, you know, everyone made the Stetson Bennett jokes and stuff like that. Um, but again, I mean, it, it, I I think if he can, I think he'll have decent success with the Ravens. Again, asterisk, you know. With with Lamar, if if Lamar leaves, I think it's just a completely different conversation, and that just depends on who they bring in. But I think it was a fine hire. I, I think you know I think it'll be good, and I think people will be uh be pretty happy. I think I read, I think it was Spenny, who said I I guess his time at Georgia. I think that they said Moncton they would run the ball a lot more in obvious passing situations, and then pass the ball more in obvious run situations and you know it seemed like it worked out for them i think it was spencer who tweeted that out it may have been last week um it, it was interesting but it, again i mean I, I think it's a good hire again it's it's a name who i don't think people were jumping off their couch you know saying we got to get this guy but i think once they got him and then again you kind of look a little deeper i think it looks like a good hire i say this with the definite realization that Offensively, his Georgia teams had big games against really good teams. Like they had big games offensively in the playoff. It's also tough for me to like look at a number. And maybe this could be just the wrong take. So <laughs> forgive me. But like they're able to do that a little bit more because at Georgia, like they can run it down people's throats just with the sheer athlete, the sheer fact they have more talent than everybody else for the most part, like unless they're playing Alabama. So I wonder if they were able to like rip off runs less on scheme and more because they just out athlete everybody. That could be totally wrong. I can't say I watched every single snap of Georgia football this year. So, you know, I would be happy to be corrected. Um, but maybe you're able to do that more because you're like, you know, if you're at second and two and maybe that's or whatever, an obvious running situation, you're like, oh, we can pass because we know we can come back and definitely get this. And we'll like take a shot and be, you know, run, run risk because we know we can just do better. But I will say what he did with Stetson Bennett. I mean, it's not, I mean, Stetson, we'll see where Stetson Bennett like goes in the draft and what his NFL career like looks like. But I don't think it's unfair to say, like, from a sheer talent perspective, he's not C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young or Will Levis or some of, like, the other great quarterbacks in the nation. He was great down the stretch. Um, and I feel like you were always waiting for the Stetson Bennett thing to, like, have a thud where it's like, okay, this, like, former walk-on guy who has, you know, somehow beaten out all these talented guys that Georgia has and become a national champion. Like when is this like when is the like four interception game he has where this fairy tale ends? And it just never happened. And part of the reason was because he got put in amazing spots and they did a great job and he got coached up. And that's a lot on the offensive coordinator. So I think that's a certainly a feather in Munkin's cap to do that with a guy that 
you know, it's all, you know, the Stetson Bennett thing kind of reminded me of when like Alabama was winning titles, like AJ McCarron, just not as like fancy guys. Royal. Um, and they, and they were able to get it done. Um, so I, I think it should be good. And as you said, Banks, so much of now all of this is fluid with Lamar and you can't really kind of even go into that because like, what's the point of anticipating what would be a post Lamar situation. You can only think about if Lamar's in the situation and, Seems like it would be, you know, it's a guy that has had a lot of offensive success at the NFL level. I don't think that's all you can ask for, for Lamar and and what the offense ends up looking like. So I think it's a good hire. It's also, everyone was concerned that the Harbaugh's were going to like go into their, you know, gaggle of people that have worked for the two Harbaugh brothers and that's who they were going to hire. That's not what they did. So I think that's a positive for people, I guess, if you were looking for expanse and, different opinions like this is not a guy that unless i'm missing something on the resume has not worked for you know either of the harbaugh brothers that he's gone i mean head coach southern miss 2013 to 15 uh offensive coordinator for the bucks from 16 to 18 browns 19 georgia 2020 to 2022 and now with the ravens cusa coach of the year in 2015 i know everyone's talking about that so mm-hmm. um now we now we sort of Pardon? wait to see See what the Ravens do personnel is. Go ahead. Thank you. Played in the uh, not played. Coached uh, in the heart of the Dallas Bowl, if I remember right. You know, you know who could forget? He did. Lost the heart of Dallas Bowl in 2015 to a, a six and six Washington that. team that that a lot of people remember. Miles Gaskin was the MVP for Washington. There you go. Gaskin. Hmm. Yep. Yep. Um, on ESPN, so lost 44-31. 44th in the only bowl. And then he, uh, he departed Southern Miss after went from one and 11 to nine and five, one and 11, his first year, nine and five, his third year. So the guy can coach guy can coach. Got to start at grand Valley state. Now I'm just reading his Wikipedia. This is I'm sh- surely entertaining. Um, now, now, as I said, now you have, now we see where the Ravens go personnel wise from here. And um, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited. The offensive coordinator situation is now settled as well. Speculation's over. We're we're full steam ahead now. Yeah, I mean, it's it's was one of the biggest boxes we had for the off season. It's what I mean. Everybody wanted to change from Greg Roman. We've got a different guy. I mean, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited to see how quickly they turn on Munkin at some point here. You know, it's going to happen. Um, God knows, people and. I mean, it was a rocky start, but people were on Mike McDonald quick this season. Um, and I think that that turned out to be a pretty good hire so far. So um, I don't know. You just can't please everybody. Yeah. I'm trying to remember, was the, was the were his Bucks teams the like, was that when Jameis was throwing like 50 times a game? Those are kind of fun teams to watch. Probably. That was 30 touchdowns, 30 picks, I think, right? Was that is that what that was? It may have been the back end there. James I don't even think the, so. I think James is one of the great red was, zone experiences of all time. I mean, he's one of the great red zone. He will he's like a league pass NBA player. He's like one of the like we go to Tampa and when James has the ball, it could be an 80-yard touchdown or a pick six. It was just the best. He made red zone fun. Or a fumble, or like a fumble through his legs or something. The 30-30 season for Jameis had to be either 2020 or 2019. And he, it was it, it was 2019. Munkin, so Munkin was gone. Munkin had already left. Yeah. Yeah. So his James James Winston regressed. 
Without Probably had his best season with look at it. the offensive coordinator. 28 touchdowns, 18 picks, his second year in the league. Um, threw for over 4,000 yards. When I think I think when he threw for 28 TDs, I think people were like, oh, maybe Jameis is like could be pretty good, potentially. Not like he, now he's kind of become just like fun, ridiculous Jameis, but you know, yeah, regress, regress, <laughs> feather in the cap, feather in the cap for, for Todd Munkett. Um, not a ton of other, of other Ravens used to discuss. That was sort of the, uh, the hot one of the week Offensive coordinator is settled. Now all eyes are on Lamar. Doesn't seem to be any, um, more news on, on what will happen there. So, uh, the Ravens roll through the off season. Now we are going to head into full draft, um, mode here. Uh, I know there was, there was, I think at one point trending on Twitter last, last week with some rumors about a Patrick queen trade maybe happening. So we'll see if there's any, anything there, but um, I know we, I think we talked about that in the off season preview of like, would they make a move on from him? But um, we shall see. We well, shall see towards the draft. Oh, the, he, he did the whole social media scrub thing. That was like, Oh, look at this. Oh yeah. 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 Scrub the Ravens for social media thing. Yeah. Whatever. But, yeah. Yeah. Stop reading at people's social media. It doesn't really mean that much. Most of the time people just do stuff on social media. Um, but now we head into the draft combine and then, and then the NFL draft. So that, that should be exciting. Um, and people really, uh, we put out a tweet about Deontay Banks, Ravens cornerback or uh Terps cornerback Ravens fans seem to want him. So maybe he'll get drafted by the Ravens. Um, we were going to go, we were going to do some Orioles talk amongst ourselves today, but we have uh, Brendan Mortensen from Massanon, host of the Massanon Access podcast with Paul Mancano. Um, and so we will just throw it to that conversation. Did a, have some fun with Brendan talking about the O's, starting rotation, the infield depth, a variety of different topics. Um, sort of a, a nice spring training primer for everyone as we as we head towards spring training games and RDT's favorite, the World Baseball Classic. Uh, so let's get to our chat with uh, Brendan right now. Something magic happens. We're back here on the Exit 52 podcast with Masson's own Brendan Mortensen, host of the Masson All Access podcast. And I know you do a variety of things over there. Thank you for jumping on fully in spring training mode. Uh, how excited are you just to get the uh, the baseball season going? I'm pumped. I mean, listen, it's been a busy off season with work. I'm a little tired. I'm a little bit burnt out already, but still excited for the season. I mean, if you can't get fired up by like that first video you see, of like the the pop of the glove then like i don't know what to tell you that just fires you up it's always I'm, like that I'm video always a big like the rows the rows of pitchers and you just see like six guys thrown at the same time and it's just <laughs> pop 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 and it's just it's huge. continuous it's great yeah 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 I'm, it is I'm always absolutely a massive for any baseball fan the truck, the truck load video is always my favorite of those. There's just never, never, t- never a time I'm excited for a truck to load like spring training. It's very entertaining. It's a solid contender. I, I don't know if it's up there with the glove pop, but for me anyway. But it, it it's a solid contender. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. Filling out the roster, um, Brennan. When you look at the Orioles off season, um, obviously you know a ton of excitement um, going in after the year they had last year. Um, Michael Elias talked about lifting off, which I think got people very excited. Pretty quiet, though. Kind of stuck with their guys to a certain extent. Obviously, had the, the number one overall pick, Jackson Holiday, but that's not something we'll see come to risk for a few years. When you look at the overall state of the offseason, do you feel like they did enough? Was it, you know, did they do more than you thought, less than you thought? Sort of your overall thoughts on, on them coming into spring training from that regard. Yeah, I mean, I think when Michael Elias said lift off, 
like you said, that that got a lot of people really excited. It really raised expectations really quickly. And it kind of seems like more of what he meant was that he was going to slowly increase payroll. So it would be liftoff as in kind of a gradual rise, right? He was going to pay guys more in arbitration as we're seeing some of the kind of like middle tier veteran guys get further along in arbitration, like Cedric Mullins, Austin Hayes, Anthony Santander. So those guys are going to continue to make more money. It, the liftoff thing was hard because everybody thought that they were going to sign a massive free agent or they were going to make a huge trade. And yeah, I think you can look at this offseason and say there was a need for maybe a high-end starting pitcher that they didn't necessarily address because you've got Kyle Gibson, who is not really a number one. Cole Irvin was the number one in Oakland, but he's not really a number one when you look around the league. So I could understand looking at this offseason and saying, yeah, they didn't address every single need that they had but it's also important to note that they didn't make any bank breaking contracts they didn't make any huge trades blowing up the farm system at this point they still have a lot of flexibility going forward you know somebody like Grayson Rodriguez could turn into a number one type of starter by the time the season is done you'll have John Means coming back midway through the season that'll kind of be like a trade deadline acquisition at that point and if you are looking at the next few off seasons and looking at what the Orioles might need to do, maybe you'd be looking at potential Abby Rutschman, Gunnar Henderson extensions. Maybe you'd be looking at different free agents down the line, or you can still make those trades over the next few years as well. So I think that was kind of more the plan with liftoff. But when you say the word liftoff, everybody kind of naturally freaks out a little bit. Yeah, and and I I, I know we talked at the caravan about the liftoff comment, and it was just like. If he would have worded it differently, I think, yeah, I don't think people would have been as upset about it. But again, he said what he said. It's whatever. Um, I'm look, you know, looking around some of the different sports books and and articles and stuff like that. The Orioles' win total is is right around seventy seven and a half. I know, I think it was MLB or something. Somebody had him at um seventy four. Do you think that number is is fair? The seventy seven and a half. Like, would you? Kind of, kind of. What's your outlook on that? Do you, do you think this team is going to be right where they were last year? A little better, a little worse? What's your what's your take on on that kind of number? That's seventy seven and a half. Yeah, I mean, I'd definitely be higher than seventy seven and a half at this point. I know you can make the argument last year that the Orioles got a little bit lucky, maybe they overperformed to that eighty three win total. But when you look at this season, I don't really see what gets worse for them i mean maybe the bullpen regresses a little bit and we don't see the same kind of crazy era numbers from guys like felix bautista and cnl perez i think that's expected but they don't have to play the al east as much this year which is kind of an underrated huge part of this season and then they just kind of got better everywhere i mean kyle gibson and cole irvin aren't massive upgrades to the starting rotation they're not you know the ace that maybe some people were hoping for but they're still solid gets to add to the rotation. You're not going to have guys like Spencer Watkins and Bruce Zimmerman pitching as many games as they did last year. Nothing against those guys, but Cole Irvin and Kyle Gibson are just better pitchers at this point. And you can look at the position players as well. You go from Rugnet Odor to Adam Frazier, and you're making you know solid upgrades across the board. It's You're not doing anything huge. But bringing in guys like Gibson, Irvin, Frazier, Gibbons, those are all pretty solid upgrades. And you're going to have a full season of Adley Rutschman, assuming no injuries, full season of Gunnar Henderson, 
probably a full season of Grayson Rodriguez. You'll get probably more D.L. Hall, maybe Colton Kowser by the middle of the year. So I just don't really see where they get worse. They didn't lose anybody of significance, and they made pretty good upgrades across the board. So I would go higher than that 77.5, maybe right around that 83, 84, 85 win mark would be my best guess. I still don't think they're a team that's going to win you know, 95 games, but I'd definitely go higher than that. It's interesting too, like you said, that it would be like it is 77 and a half. That feels like you, you would, I would have thought it would have skewed a little higher just because after they called up badly and then you call a called up gunner and you had those guys for really short stints, they got a lot better. So you would think that then projecting that over a full season, maybe that number goes a little bit higher. But it seems like, you know, I could understand why you'd have some remorse about the Orioles and their ability to like win a lot of games year after year. But as you said, it feels like they kind of didn't get worse anywhere like and they only have more reinforcements to come so the potential like you said is for them to just continue to get better year after year or throughout the year excuse me so it's kind of interesting that that it's that if i i would imagine the oars will be a popular over banks banks you got any you got any cash on the o's over here 77 and a half well i'm all i'm all at the over for all the reasons that we just said i'm just as much on the the Orioles to win the AL East, you can get them to win the AL East at numbers like 25 to one, 30 to one. It's, it's a tall task and I'm not, you know, nobody is expecting them to go out and win the AL East, but that's, that's a huge value in my opinion for a team that, yeah, is, is on a the up and coming and, and they won 83 games last year. And um sure the Yankees are kind of the big bad boys of the East, like, like they often are, but um I don't know that anybody's looking at them and shaking in their boots in the way that they have for some of their teams in the past. And, um, you know, the Jays are young and they've got some guys and the Rays are the typical Rays and the Sox are, uh, they're kind of, kind of, I don't know. They're kind of spinning their wheels a little bit. So, you know, if all the stars align and and they can kind of stay in the fight, get, get John means back when, you know, within striking range, like, at worst, you could have a future there where you could hedge or do something with, or maybe they even win. So I've actually laid pretty heavy into that, believe it or not. And here we go. One fun bet I have. Uh, I picked Jorge Mateo plus 2,500 to lead the league in stolen bases. Is that, Brendan, good or bad? What do you think? It's not a bad bet. Didn't he lead the American League last last year? Like, I'm surprised. He was, I, that I don't low. know. If- I, I was I was shocked when I saw him there, and I just put five dollars on him. I may go back and put fifty, because with yeah. the bigger bases, with the shift and stuff like that, and if he can, the only the only thing that scares me is he has to get the playing time. Which again, I mean, you know, you know how I mean the infield depth was nothing a couple of years ago, and now it's they just have way too much, which is a good problem to have. But that's my only concern, really. Um, and I guess kind of talk about the that infield depth because again. It seems like we have the infield. You talked about Adam Frazier. We talked about Mateo. You talked about Gunnar Henderson. Oh, by the way, now you have a gold glover that fits where? Plus Connor Norby and Jordan Westberg and Joey Ortiz and all these guys. So I don't know. What do you make of the infield depth? Do you have to think that they move some of these guys? I think this year, right? So some of the some of the minor league guys. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's a have to kind of thing these sorts of issues usually tend to work themselves out whether it's injuries or whatever it might be but with the Mateo bet specifically too I, w- I would be a little bit questioning Jorge Mateo's playing time going forward as you mentioned you have 
you know, three really good guys at AAA right now. Connor Norby didn't get a ton of games in Norfolk, but he was hitting like 17,000 home runs when he was there. Joey Ortiz offensive numbers are ridiculous in the second half of the season. I talked with him in Bowie about midway through the season last year. And he said, you know, he was like 90, 95% healthy at that point. And he had a shoulder injury that just kind of completely messed up his swing. And he really wasn't feeling it at all. And then once he was back to 100%, he was dominating for the rest of the year. So I could see Joey Ortiz getting the call up to the majors at some point relatively soon next year because the glove is already there. He's probably the best fielding shortstop in the organization. And that's a lot of the value that Mateo is giving you as well as the defense and then obviously the speed on the base paths. Gunnar Henderson can play a solid shortstop. Joey Ortiz, Jordan Westberg, who are both pretty close to the big leagues, can play a solid shortstop as well. If Mateo is not giving you a great OPS, like we saw last year, if that OPS is still hovering around 600, 650, I could see Gunnar Henderson getting more time at short. Maybe Ramona Rios is the mainstay at third. I think Mateo might kind of be the first one to get that playing time reduced if we don't see the bat come along. So, I mean, the infield depth is awesome. In terms of the moves, wouldn't force a trade unless there's a great one there. I think it's way better to have that depth there available than, you know, you want to trade from it in the sense that if you're going to make a trade, it's nice to make a trade from a place where you have depth but you're not going to make the trade just because you have the depth. So if there's something there, great. But if not, you can kind of just figure out who the best infield option is from whoever performs the best at AAA, whether it be Westberg or Tees at short. And then Norby at second, too. There's a lot of options at second base right now with Frazier and, and Vavra and Arias. Norby gives you something completely different than those guys. Frazier and Vavra are going to give you great at-bats. They're going to get on base. They're also going to hit like five homer runs. So if you just don't have enough power in the lineup at some point during the season and you need an injection of that at a position where you didn't have it before, Connor Norby could hit 20 homers in the big leagues. So he, even though he plays the same position, he kind of plays a different role, interestingly enough. So I could see all those guys being contributors this year. It feels like the place where they would, if they were going to try to make a trade with some of that depth, would be for starting pitching to go get someone that they could put on the top of their rotation. When you look at that, you know, five guys right now on opening day, who do you think those five guys will be that, that the Orioles trot out in, in the starting rotation? Yeah, so at the top, I think you've got Kyle Gibson and Cole Irvin are locks, just based on what you gave up to get them this offseason. Gibson, obviously, you signed him for agency. Cole Irvin, you just traded for for Daryl Hernandez. They're in the rotation. They're locks. I would give Kyle Bradish like a 95% chance of making the rotation. I'd be very surprised if he doesn't. He flashed a lot of good potential last year. He had that, what, like eight and two thirds, 10 strikeouts game against the Astros down the stretch. So I would give Bradish like a 95% chance to make the rotation. Honestly, the guy that I have next highest odds is Grayson. I just don't see how he goes to spring training fully healthy and doesn't prove to be one of the five best starters on this team. I just don't really see it happening. So I think a healthy Grayson Rodriguez is in this rotation. I still think Dean Kramer is in there, but I'm not as convinced as maybe some fans are that Dean Kramer's an absolute lock for the rotation. He was excellent last year. I mean, he had a 323 ERA. 
only question marks there. The expected ERA wasn't that good. I think it was around 450, according to fan graphs. The strikeout numbers weren't really there. The advanced numbers just don't love Dean Kramer. So I wouldn't be absolutely shocked if he gets beat for a rotation spot by somebody like Tyler Wells or D.L. Hall. But I would still give Dean Kramer like a 70, 75% chance of making this rotation. I, I still think he's the guy, and I think that's the five. But if there's anybody who might get bounced, I think it could be Kramer. And it's funny, too, because I, I was listening to you and Paul on the podcast, and if you don't listen, you 100% should go listen um, to the Masson podcast. It's great. Um, and I was kind of not shocked, but because I, again, I assume that I'm like, I think Kramer is, it is, is I think he settled in a ro- into the rotation and then you made some points and I was like, damn, you know what? I, I think he does have some points there. Um, again, I thought he was very good down, down the stretch too, but like you said, you know, the strikeouts aren't, it, it doesn't seem like he's the pitcher. He's the strikeout pitcher that we thought we were getting from the Dodgers and the Manny trade. Um, so that, that'll be an interesting one to keep an eye on. And, I also thought maybe as as recently as three weeks ago, like I don't think there's a chance Grayson cracks opening day rotation. And now I don't think there's a chance that he doesn't like now. Now I'm with you guys. I'm like, I think he's in there. Like, I think he is again, barring any injury or if if he has a 14 ERA in spring training, then, yeah, you know, something is up. But um, just kind of lay out your expectations, I think, for Grayson, you know, for this this season. Are they going to is. I mean, I could see him starting as a what a four. May you know they start him at four or five, something like that, and maybe we see him make his home debut in Texas in that second series, which I think would be awesome. Yeah, that's my best guess. I mean, he's not going to be the opening day starter if he makes the rotation. It kind of sounds like too that they want to limit his innings a little bit, understandably so, coming back from the injury last year. So my best guess with Grayson is that if Tyler Wells doesn't make the starting rotation. We see kind of a similar piggyback thing as we saw last year where Grayson is maybe going four or five innings to start the year. And then we see Tyler Wells pitch, you know, three, four innings after him. I'm trying not to set my expectations too high for Grayson because like he's, he's a rookie pitcher. I'm not going to expect him to come out and have like a sub three ERA, but it's just, it's hard to watch what he did in the minors and look at the numbers that he put up and just expect anything less than him being really good at the majors. And, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and say he's going to have an unbelievable ERA. I wouldn't be surprised if even in his first year, he's gotten the ERA around like 350 and he's striking out eight, nine guys per nine innings. I, I think his stuff is pretty unbelievably good and it's only gotten better over the last few seasons. And I know he's not technically the number one pitching prospect in baseball anymore, that's only because of the injuries. I mean, a- Andrew Painter in Philly's organization is really good. He still hasn't pitched above double A at this point, And Grayson was dominating triple A. So I still think he is the best pitching prospect in all of baseball. I think he's going to be really good out of the gate because he hasn't really shown anything to suggest otherwise up to this point. He hasn't really struggled at any level of the minor leagues. So you know, I, I'm not going to say he's going to win Rookie of the Year, but I wouldn't be shocked if he has a 350 ERA and kind of just gets ramped up slowly with, you know, four or five innings, first start. Maybe he gets that fourth or fifth start out of the gate too, but I'm expecting good things from Grayson. The guy that's sort of been with him in the in the sort of the pitching prospect um, rotation as the Orioles have gone through the last couple of years is D.L. Hall. You sort of 
talked about him as maybe a candidate for that fifth starter role. Do you think he starts in the bullpen and they kind of figure out what the best role for him is as they go through the year? Honestly, I, I don't see a scenario where he starts in the bullpen at this point. From what Michael Elias has said, it sounds like they are fully committed to DL Hall being a starting pitcher going forward. And, you know, he, he was good in the bullpen last year. I mean, we saw, I think it was his final eight appearances, didn't allow a run. He had the, or maybe he allowed one run, but he was really good over his final eight appearances. He had that great save against the Yankees. So even though he has the potential to be good in the bullpen, I just don't think that's the role that the Orioles want him in at this point. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes back down to AAA Norfolk to start the season. I, I think if he doesn't make this starting rotation out of the gate at the big league level, I think he probably starts in AAA Norfolk as a starter, which I honestly wouldn't be mad about. He's got a lot to prove at AAA at this point still. I mean, I know last year it's kind of hard to evaluate because he was still coming back from injury and we didn't know exactly how healthy he was when he was working his way back up. But he still had a 470 ERA at AAA Norfolk last year. That's not awesome. Like that that's not Grayson Rodriguez type of numbers where you can look at DL and say he 100% deserves a spot in the majors right now. I think he's still good enough to be there, but it's entirely possible. He's not one of the five best starting pitchers in the organization right now. So I wouldn't be surprised if he goes back down to AAA Norfolk as a starter. If he puts up great numbers there, I think the Orioles will find a spot for him at the major league level because he has that high end starter potential where a lot of the guys at the big league level right now, they're probably not getting any higher than like a number three, number four starter in this league at this point. I think DL Hall has a higher ceiling than that. So I don't really see him starting in the bullpen. I think the Orioles are just committed to making him a starter going forward. If it doesn't work out, sure, maybe you move him back to the bullpen. Maybe he ends up being a good high leverage starter down the line in his career, but I don't see him starting that this year. You, you got to give him a shot as a starter. He's too talented to not see what you have there. And again, again, the, the DL and, and the the situation, what do you do with him? I know you guys covered that on the podcast, you know, a couple of weeks ago. And again, I, I'm with you where, like you said, I think you guys said it back then. He's just too good to just say, all right, he's a reliever. And I think you guys had said much like they did with Zach, with Zach Britton. You, tr- you trot him out there, you know, Try everything you can as a starter. And again, I mean, they we've seen it them do it with Brian Mattis and, and all these guys. But it's like you you got to give him every opportunity to to succeed as a starter. And if a couple, you know, and then you make that decision. You don't make that now because of a roster crunch or something like that. So I'm I'm with you there. I, I think him starting the season in AAA, again, getting those starts would not it it's not the worst thing in the world. Again, especially with now, it's like, well, where do you put him in the rotation? So I, I'm with you there. Um, wh- what do you think this bullpen, um, I guess, is going to look like with th- the news of all these injuries that kind of got dropped on us out of nowhere? Um, you know, I think I think it was middle of last week with the Dylan Tate and Bautista, who's now throwing, and, you know, a couple of the other guys. Wh- what do you think this bullpen is going to look like going into the season? Yeah, really wasn't expecting that Dylan Tate news at all. I mean, we talked a lot to a lot of these guys like at the Birdland Caravan and really no news or anything came out of that injury-wise. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, like Dylan Tate's not on the World Baseball Classic roster and everyone's like, what's going on with Dylan Tate? And then come to find out he's probably going to miss April with an injury. 
uh, which hurts for the Orioles, obviously. I mean, Dylan Tate wasn't your closer like Bautista. Hopefully, Bautista is ready for opening day. So I'm not going to speculate as to what the Orioles would do at closer at this point, because I know there's still a chance that Felix Bautista will be ready to go. And even if he's not ready to go for opening day, I don't think from the sounds of things he'll miss longer than you know a week or a few weeks, whatever it may be. So I don't think the Orioles are you know in trouble there. In terms of the Dylan Tate role, I, I mean, he pitched a lot in the seventh, eighth innings last year. They kind of had that in CNL Perez as their left-handed alternative to Dylan Tate, depending on matchups. I think Michael Gibbons is a very natural just fill-in to that Dylan Tate role last year. It was probably the role that Michael Gibbons was going to play anyway in that sixth, seventh, eighth inning, wherever you need him to go. Ryan Baker was also really good down the stretch last year. I wouldn't be surprised if Ryan Baker continues to get some high leverage situations going into the beginning of this year. In terms of the roster spot to start the season, though, of who might take that now that Dylan Tate is potentially going on the injured list, I think the bullpen, you had four locks, Tate being among them, but now the three locks, I would go to Felix Bautista, CNL Perez, Michael Givens. And then, you know, you've got Austin Voth and Tyler Wells, assuming they're not in the rotation, and Brian Baker. So those guys are pretty much set. I think Keegan Aiken is still going to make this bullpen as kind of the left-handed innings eater. He was still pretty good last year. Aiken was. I know he's kind of on the bubble right now, but he had a 320 ERA, whipped just below 1,100. He can eat a lot of innings for you. The last bullpen arm, not really sure who that goes to. I mean, there's a couple of right-handed options. You've got Andrew Politi, who you selected in the Rule 5 draft. Joey Crable, who has kind of been on the outside looking in in this bullpen conversation. I think he's a possibility as well. And then Nick Vespi, too. I mean, Nick Vespi, we thought, was going to be out for the beginning of the season. And then he goes to the Birdland Caravan, and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm fine. Like, I have no limitations. I'm going to be good for opening day. Nick Vespi, I think, probably gets that last bullpen spot now that Dylan Tate might be going on the injured list. I mean, he has nothing left to prove at AAA. He literally had an ERA of zero, which is insane. I mean, he didn't give it up in a single earned run in AAA last year. So, like, he has nothing to prove at AAA. It wasn't amazing in the majors last year, but I think Nick Vespi could get that last roster spot now that Tate is out. In terms of the bullpen usage, it kind of stays the same. I mean, you, you had Gibbons kind of slotting into that role. Maybe Brian Baker just gets a bump up to some more high leverage situations, but I think it's around the same construction. Put you on the spot here. Does Gunnar Henderson win the rookie of the year? Yeah. <laughs> I, like, there's what can't Gunnar Henderson do at this point? I mean, we saw him at the end of last year already be really good. Uh, hopefully the Orioles are just planning on keeping him on the left side of the infield. I hope the second base experiment is done with Gunnar Henderson. Keep him at shortstop. Keep him at third. He should be getting pretty much everyday playing time. He he could hit 20 home runs and steal 20 bases and play great defense and hit like 280. Like I, I don't know what Gunnar Henderson can't do at this point. So until he shows me any struggles at any level, like I'm just going to assume that he's going to be excellent because that's all he's been doing since he got drafted. So yeah, if I'm betting right now, who's going to win rookie of the year, it's Gunnar Henderson. And if I'm not betting on Gunnar, I'm probably betting on Grayson. <laughs> See, I, I've, 
I've already got money mm-hmm. sprinkled on on Gunner, so I like to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> go go out on go out on a limb for me, and um, how many Orioles do you think make the All Star team, and who are they? Ooh man, I think Adley makes the All Star team. I I think he's a top three catcher in baseball already. You could make a, a very solid case that it's JT Romuto, Will Smith, Abby Rutschman. So I think Adley makes the all-star team, could potentially even be a starter. Outside of Adley, I mean, there's a lot of guys that I think could have very solid cases. I mean, Cedric Mullins is just consistently very good at this point, which is really cool. Like after the 30-30 season, I think a lot of people expected regression from him. We saw a little bit of regression but he was still a really good baseball player last year. So I think Cedric Mullins has a really solid chance to make the all-star team. Ryan Mountcastle, it's hard with Mountcastle because of the wall and because his power numbers aren't going to be as fantastic with the pull numbers to the left side. But I still think he has a chance. I think Gunnar Henderson has a pretty solid chance. Again, like he was just amazing at the end of last year. I don't see any reason why he won't be great again. Starting pitchers, not sure which starting pitcher would make the all-star team this year. I mean, maybe Grayson's just like unbelievable out of the gate. Maybe somebody like Kyle Bradish really steps up. For all-stars, I'm going to say two. I'm going to say Adley gets an all-star nod. And I'm going to say Felix Bautista gets an all-star nod, assuming he is healthy and ready to go. Bautista was amazing last year. I, I think he's going to be really good again. So, I'll say two Orioles All-Stars. I'll say Abby and Bautista. Where is the All-Star game this year? That's an awesome question that I do not have the answer to. I don't know. I LA last year. I can't remember. It is yeah. it is in Seattle. It is, is Seattle. It Seattle? Oh, it is Ooh, Seattle. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll get a lot of replays of the Cal home run, so I'm okay with that. And then the year oh, yeah, after yeah. is it, the year after is it, uh, one of your favorite places, Globe Life Field, Eric, um, in Texas. I don't, I don't mind it. I don't mind it. It's a cool home of the home think. of the COVID World Series. It's <laughs> all right. Um, last, last one. We'll kind of get you out of here with this. Um, some new, not not surprising news, but um, I think they said yesterday that to it's, or maybe today Santander. We're gonna see uh, at first base, um, probably a little bit. Um, yeah. Who 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 kind of takes over that? And again, again, something you guys have covered on the podcast. But who kind of takes over that backup first base role? Not that it's a huge role, because again, it's not a it's not a physically demanding position. And maybe Mountcastle takes ten games off. But who do you expect to see, um, kind of manning first base on? The, you know, every other week or every, you know, every third week or something like that when Mountcastle needs a day off. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that about Mountcastle, too. I feel like the backup first base position has been such a hot topic of discussion. And when you break it down, it's like, um, yes, if Ryan Mountcastle gets injured, you need somebody who can play first base. Obviously, that would be a massive hole. But in reality, if Mountcastle is healthy for the entire year, you're probably only needing a backup first baseman to play like 10 or 15 games. So like you need somebody there, but we've been talking about it so much this off season as if it's somebody who's going to play like 80, 90 games at first base. When in reality, the Orioles just need somebody to potentially fill like 10, 15 games. Like, I don't think it's going to be that 
big of an issue. And honestly, you know, again, there's been so much talk of the guys that they've brought in on minor league deals, like the Ryan O'Hearns and the Lewin Diaz, Franchi Cordero and that group. I don't see the Orioles giving one of them a 26-man roster spot unless they are pretty unbelievable in spring training. I think they have an uphill battle. And for the backup first baseman spot during the season, I think you can get by with some combination of James McCann, Anthony Santander, Adley Rutschman, Taryn Vavra. Because we it, we found out that Vavra has been working at first base this offseason too. He probably figured that it would give him a much better chance of making this team. Vavra gives you a lot of good things at the big league level right now. Again, another guy who doesn't really have much to prove at AAA Norfolk and showed that he could be valuable to big leagues last year. So if he can play first base, I think that's a really good option. James McCann, again, I know the bat isn't necessarily something that you absolutely need to get in the lineup, but James McCann has good career splits against left-handed pitching. So you could give Mountcastle maybe a DH day there and let McCann play first base. Adley Rutschman, you probably don't want to play a ton at first base. You'd probably just rather give him days off rather than days at first base. And then Anthony Santander, if he can play first base, sweet. I mean, at this point with Santander, he's not one of your better defensive outfielders. I know he had that weird gold glove nomination in 2020, but like he's not one of your better defensive outfielders at this point, especially when you're throwing you know, Kyle Stowers and Ryan McKenna into the mix. So if Santander can add that first base versatility into the kind of, you know, DH power hitting corner outfield mold. I think that'd be a really good option too. And I think you can find 10, 15 games between the four of those guys pretty easily. Uh, Brandon, you, you uh, appreciate you coming on, breaking some stuff down for us before we get you out of here. Uh, we talked, um, you're a Syracuse guy, uh, but you've now transitioned yeah. down here, covering the Orioles. What's it just been like being around Baltimore, being around the team? How, how fun has that been for you? Oh, it's amazing. I mean, I'm down here with uh, Paul Mancano, who's another Syracuse guy, so just kind of, you know, felt right at home at Masson with all of the Syracuse broadcast nerds, and uh, it's been great. You know, I, I wanted to work in baseball my whole life, and, um, you know, getting a chance to to live that out and cover a really young, fun, exciting team has been really cool. I mean, you know, we have the flexibility to do a lot of things like minor league trips and, and talking to the guys down there and you know, getting to do minor league trips for the number one farm system in baseball and like talking to those guys before they get up. Like it, it's awesome. I mean, I've, I've now been here long enough for the last, you know, two or three years where I was here when Adley got drafted and, you know, I was talking to him and Aberdeen and Bowie as he worked his way up. Same thing with Gunnar Henderson. I mean, you talk with those guys when they're in the minors and um, you know, there's, there's just so many cool experiences covering the team. So it's been really great. It's been a lot of fun. I will put you on the spot and ask you if you enjoy covering the Orioles stuff or the national stuff more. I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you stay neutral on that one. Um, plug all your stuff though. Tell tell people where they can listen to you. Yeah, so uh, you can follow along with a lot of my stuff on uh, the Mass and Orioles, Mass and Nationals social pages, and then me personally on Brendan Morty, um, and as uh, Eric plugged as well. Paul and I host the Mass and All Access podcast. We've been doing that once a week, covering the Orioles. So we might be doing that twice a week during the season. More to come, might be more content. So uh, you can find all of my stuff on the Mass and social channels. 
Everybody, make sure to listen to uh, to Brendan and Paul. They do a fantastic job. Uh, thanks so much for coming on for you. Sorry about Jim Beheim. At some point, it will get better for Syracuse basketball. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, I'm sorry about it, too. Thanks. <laughs> thanks, dude. Appreciate it. Back to you in the studio. Back on the Exit 52 podcast presented by Jimmy Seafood. Thanks once again for Brendan for coming on. Uh, make sure, as he said, go go see all their work over there at Mass and Orioles. Mass and Nationals, Mass and All Access podcast is awesome. Eric, I know you're a, you're a dedicated listener of that one. And those guys do a fantastic job and are super well informed. Obviously, that you know is as you said, Eric. When we got off with them, when we when we talked to them, and we can kind of take that to a, the pod discussion. Like when we were talking about the over under at seventy seven and a half for the Orioles, that just felt so low as we kept having the conversation. Like. I posed it like, why would it be that low? You were like, I'd definitely take the over. Banks, you talked about taking you know, them to win the AL East. Then we were just continuing to talk about the team, and I was just like, this does, this feels like an 80-plus win team to me, um, especially with, as he said, the schedule balances out for them a lot better this year. The, the schedule is, I think, a huge thing that that I know people have talked about, but I, I think, I mean, it's it's going to benefit the Orioles more than any other team. I mean, only playing the Yankees thirteen times, the Jays thirteen times, the you know Tampa thirteen times. I mean, it's gonna be that's massive. And and like you said, the longer he kept talking about it, the more and more I was like, yeah, no, you're right. Like, yes, a hundred percent. Like this is they got better from last year in every area. And yeah, they played a little above their heads. And there's gonna be some regression this year. But I mean, you still got to think again. Like we said, I mean, they they've got troops coming up. So I'm. I'm I'm definitely excited, and again, I'm I'm going to be placing my bet at over seventy seven and a half, and hopefully be you know be pretty happy with that before you know maybe the second or third week of September or something like that. I think it's the other teams that are lucky not having to play us. What do you think about that? Put on a T-shirt. It is like beneficial though that we're going to play a couple more games against the AL Central because that division's just trash. We we briefly also had the conversation about I think one of you guys I can't remember who was sort of talking about the Red Sox maybe it was you Banks the like all of the indications out of Red Sox spring training and the coverage is that none of the fans are happy with any of the things going on that team might just be bad they might be bad damn shame so if yeah. you can if you can just not if you're better than them and then you know we'll see what the Blue Jays do do the Rays regress Rays have great pitching again. Um it's going to be interesting. I'm just very excited for it. I yeah, I think I think the move there is to to hit the uh to pound the over 77 and a half. Um which will that will be a fun one to follow. We'll have to follow the pace of of that and then thanks to sprinkling on the division win. So so why not be the excitement, you know, we had him on talking about Grace and then obviously had Grace on a couple weeks ago. That is if if he comes out of the box and is just great for like his first four or five starts. I think the hype train is going to get into absolute overdrive for that guy. And that, that could be very, very fun. And they, we, we've talked about this before the Orioles and means got there a little bit at some points. They haven't had like a must watch. This guy's on the mound tonight. Make sure you're watching Masson for seven Oh five per first pitch to watch. I mean, Grayson could potentially come that become that guy this year. If he, if he really hits it right off the bat, which would be fun. I think we talked about in the past. We haven't even had like a call up where it's like starting pitcher. Hell yeah, let's go! Like, let's see what this guy's got. Let's see if he's got it. Like, have not had one to be all that excited about in a very long time. 
Like there's ones where it's like, Hey, maybe he could pan out. Maybe he could not. Like there's no one who has that feeling like, okay, this guy's inevitable. But like, I'm excited because he's going to be good. Like we just, this just never happened in my lifetime. Yeah. I mean, I can't from a, a pitcher, a pitcher, never, never again, we've seen plenty of other positions, but I mean, I, again, we were with him a couple of weeks ago. He's physically just imposing, like he's massive. So seeing him up on the mound, like chucking, you know, 98, 99, hundred, I'm, I'm with you, Taylor. I think if he gets going early on, he seems like a guy who rides, you know, his next start and just, just carries it over. So, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited for possibly some big things from Grayson. I, I'm I'm very pumped up about that. I'm 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 excited to see him. It's gonna be fun. They did just release. I meant to have this up. This is just me exposing my lack of preparation. They did just announce the Mass and TV schedule for spring training. Let me see if I can bring it up here real quick. Um, and it, as per usual, is paltry. Um, it's only four games. Four games. March sixth, one hundred five versus the Phillies. March eighteenth, one hundred five versus the Red Sox. March twenty first, one hundred five versus the Red Sox. March twenty seventh, one hundred five versus the Cardinals. Um, so Masson not going all in on. I thought maybe they would up the spring training coverage on TV a little bit more, considering the hype. They are not doing that. Um, that is not obviously say that um, Masson is not doing good work. Obviously, we just had. Brendan, all those guys do awesome stuff, but it would have been nice for them to put some more games on TV. I got I'm trying what to find it really quick. But but I know um I know what's his face. Angel John Angelos had some comment about here go John Angelos said Masson only showing four games, four Orioles and Nationals games each is a quote business decision, citing the network's regular season program and quote, should that come at the expense of spring training? I don't know, but I think it's certainly a valid question and criticism, is what Angelo said. So, kind of talked about getting four as well. Kind of talked out of both sides of his mouth there. So he's justifying Angelos? it. No. He's justifying no it because of their. But it, does that mean they're enhancing regular season coverage? Because they cut. Uh, I don't want to do this again with math. They cut regular season <laughs> coverage last year, which is which is financial and okay. If that's the decision you have to make, fair enough. That's fine. We don't see the book, so I'll trust that that's what they had to do. And if that's still the reason for the spring training, that's fine. But I, if he's saying they're not expanding it because of, like, obviously you wouldn't cut regular season coverage for spring training. That, you're going to do all the regular season games. So I don't know if that means, like, they would maybe they're bringing back pre and post, which I if they're bringing back pre and post or more of that stuff, I would love that over the spring training. So I'm fine with that if they want to do – more stuff that's better during the regular season. Fair enough. Would be a great explanation. If he came out and was like, yeah, we're, we're going all in on the actual games that matter. Like, sorry, listen, listen to them on WBAL. You know, we're going to put out great content from our team channels. You're going to see the highlights you need to see. We're going to have people on the ground, but like we're ramping up the regular season coverage a little bit more. Boom. Fine. But he was like, then he was like, wait a minute, let's have a discussion. I don't know what the discussion would be. I don't know. No, nobody knows. But again, he said it's a business decision. I just, I, I'm one of those people who I, I, on Twitter, people were throwing fits again. And I was like, I, I don't, I just don't have the time or energy to get into it about spring training games. I, yeah. You know, I, I, I'll yeah. watch them. When, I'll watch them when they're on. I'm not losing sleep that they're not on for spring training. So for sure. If you want to watch like- the, 
Go ahead. The Cardinals have 29 of 30 games on their spring training games on TV. So, and also, but they're, they're, they're TV in their TV station or whatever, going out of business, Bally or whatever. Well, that's so, a whole, that's a whole other issue. Bally. I that's know, a, I know. I a just, network of, yeah. A reach, yeah. I mean, they, we could go into an entire different, the, the interesting part is this is a bigger discussion. We get into the draft so we can, we can get going here. Like, I think I've mentioned this before, like how the regional sports network model continues to evolve is like, Mm-hmm. Masson in some of these places may not even be a factor at some point, depending on how Major League Baseball wants to package all of their games. Like they may end up doing something where, like, for example, Apple TV just paid all this money to essentially produce all of MLS's games other than ones that are on linear TV nationally. So other than stuff that's on Fox, they're produced like you pay for Apple TV and you get all the MLS games. I'll be interested to see if Major League Baseball ends up taking all – they'd have to get a ton of money because all these teams make so much money or have historically off regional TV networks because baseball a baseball schedule can just anchor an entire regional sports network. But those things are starting mm-hmm. to fade as the cable structure goes away. So the Orioles – Masson may not even – like maybe you'll have all those people still doing all the games, but it's within – if it's, you know, Amazon Prime or – this is way down the line when the rights deals come up, but – that's also an interesting piece of it. So, because you, as you mentioned, the ballet thing. Um, so, we shall see. Uh, let's get to our starting five draft presented by Fed Thrill. Um, you can use the promo code EXIT52 at checkout to get 20% off your Fed Thrill sunglasses. Uh, I think it's supposed to be like in the 70s at some point over the next couple of days or in the high 60s. So, the sun's starting almost, to come out a little bit, start, almost starting a little 80 warmer. On Thursday. Beautiful. Absolutely love that. Um, so get your fed through sunglasses. I my it was winter cast, ice expected. Saturday. Not on Thursday. Oh, wow. So we're gonna go we're 80 on Thursday. Inch. Interesting. I well, that's Maryland. You know where it's that wild. you know where that ice also happens, guys? Canada. And we are gonna draft our um favorite Canadians. That is the starting five draft this week. I don't really know why this is the starting five draft. Why was it going to be last week when we moved it? The the Crown uh, Royal commercial. Oh, oh the Crown yeah. Royal commercial. That's right. Like, that's, right. that's right. That's right. That's Canadians or something. Yeah, we yeah. love Canadians. Uh, I have the first pick. Banks has the second pick. Um, RDT, you have the wraparound. Um, Canadians. Canadians. Uh, I, I'm kicking off the draft here. I'm going to take a guy that I would have loved to have gotten last week. In my draft, um, I've always been a defender of this guy. I've always been on this guy's oh. on the train for this guy. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm taking the Beebs. Okay, I wanted. Take, him. It's not who I thought, but I wanted him too. I'm taking the mm. Beebs. The Beebs is a stud. I love the Beebs. The Beebs makes jams. Um, I would love to see the a guy in concert. Um, you know, did he break Selena Gomez's heart? Maybe. And I'm a Selena guy, but what can you do? Um. I love the Beebs. I love the Beebs. Shout out to the Beebs. Me and my roommate Anthony have been defending the Beebs for a long time, back when it was trendy to hate the Beebs. Now I feel like everyone's kind of come around on the Beebs. I feel like everyone's kind of in on the Beebs. Like, makes hits, pretty chill dude. You know, people like his relationship. He, he He's he's in a good spot he right went, now. He went through the media cycle where he he had the DUI and he was he was going down the, the weird path. But I think he steered himself... I think uh, what's her name Haley. I think Haley helped him. 
Yeah, Alton for sure. Haley Baldwin. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, some of the some of the stuff that went on was this Selena Gomez thing, which is on and off all the time, and and maybe it was better for both of them that they got away. So Haley Biebs. Now, so yeah, I'm I'm taking the Biebs. I I you know, feels like a good one one. Yeah, baby, 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 oh. Thanks. Good pick. Take a Wayno. I gotta take Wayno. I, I thought he'd be first overall material. Um, I mean, they call him the great one for a reason. He's, uh, I mean, he's just sent just Canada hockey. Greatest one to ever play it. I mean, it's an easy pick. You guys aren't vibing with it. No, I mean, the great one is the great one. I mean, they, I, it's, it's one of those ones where yeah. it's, he's getting taken in this draft. He's, a very justifiable one one. I would have had no issue taking him at one one. I wouldn't say he's the most like entertaining human being on the planet. He doesn't give you a ton from a personality standpoint, but he's a great hockey player. And there's a great that 30 for 30 about him getting traded from Edmonton is a great 30 for 30. Like the national outcry that he was not longer playing Canada. Underrated 30 for 30 that I thought was cool. And he's an investor in my favorite NLL indoor lacrosse team the Las Vegas Desert Dogs. So I also love that. They're doing a Gretzky um, shirtsy giveaway. So shout out to my guy, Keith Snedden. Love the dogs. Love me some Wayne. RDT. He's also in my, my favorite sequel ever. So, Which is? D2. Yes. Is he in D2? Yeah. Is he one of the hockey oh, players yeah. in the in the, in the the California house? Is that when he's in it? Oh, for sure. No, that's not when he's is that no, he's in a I don't remember. Whatever. Oh, he's there. Chrissy Yamaguchi. Chrissy also Yamaguchi. I think Kareem is in that scene. <laughs> Kareem is it. Kareem. Kareem is there. Kareem is in there. Kareem. By the way, Kareem just like <laughs> Kareem just like clearly being upset that LeBron passed him for the scoring record was awesome a couple weeks ago. He did a pretty good job being classy, but he definitely wanted to keep that record. Um, RDT, you have two. Well, Gretzky's going to have to do that same thing with Ovi in like a year and a half, so I hope he was He's already that. doing it. He's, he's, I, doing he is, what, he's getting out ahead of it. He's doing what Jack Nicholas did for a lot of years, which is like, when he breaks my record, he's gonna do it. When he breaks it, I'm gonna be there. I'll be the first guy to shake his hand. And meanwhile, you know, Jack records are meant to be broken. Not, he was having a great time for 11 years there. Fucking Jack. Um, I'm taking who I got last week, and again, who I thought Taylor was gonna pick. I'm taking Drake. We're taking Aubrey. Yeah. Biggest biggest name in in music. Um, I listened to Shane Gillis's Big, podcast. Biggest name in music. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> that, that, that's just not correct. Sorry. Anyways, so I, I, I listened to the Shane Gillis's podcast. Just gave our I've never seen Drake break an entire ticket agency website. Like, yep, yep. Literally broke a monopoly. Literally just, broke a monopoly by herself. She's a, dis, she's a disruptor. Whatever. We're not. You know. We're not comparing. But all I'm saying is, I listened to Shane Gillis's podcast this week, and he was talked about being at the Super Bowl, and how Drake threw that secret concert party, and that there were the biggest names in the NFL who were not able to get into the concert. They were outside the venue, not able to get in. So I don't know if 
whoever you guys are talking about had that happen. But um, so we're going. Well, I tell you what, number uh, one. The person we're talking about is too Again, big for secret back, Super Bowl parties. It's way too big for Super Bowl. We're not going back for that. I, I guess not. So <laughs> no worries. That's fine. Um, <laughs> my second one, man. Uh, I'm gonna take Pam Anderson. Just the wow. legend of the game. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I just, I think someone you know very near and dear to our hearts. We've you know, she's Pam. She's on. Uh, she was great on uh, Home Improvement, Baywatch. She's just Pam. She is just Pam. Just Pam. Bam, bam, Pam's Pam's been a big deal for a long time. There's no doubt about it. There is she's no back. doubt I mean, about she's it. She's back too now with, you know, the doc- wasn't there a documentary or there was like that? Well, they had the show Pam and Tommy yeah, with, the um, show. with yeah. what, Sebastian Stan. Who played Pam? I don't remember. I don't know. But again, I know she's back in the – seems like she's back in the news. Lily James. Like, Lily James. Uh, there, there was a documentary recently. I forget what it was or who. Oh, there was. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 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 Just hot in the news again. Uh, you have another one. No, I took Drake. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Sorry. Unless you want to give me uh, thanks. Apologies. 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 Still dealing with that. I'm gonna take Shania. Biggest name in music. Oh, good pick. Shania, what a legend! Legend of the game. I mean, same era as Pam, really. Same mm-hmm. time frame per se, but. Um, you know, Pamela's just kind of resurfacing just because people kind of feel bad for her story, I think, is the the angle that this most recent documentary was going for. Shania still tours and she's still. I mean, she's been getting it for 25, 30 years. She's a legend. Yeah, it's just like, it's all, there's not a just like that. It, the name is also just Shania Twain. Like it's just that name pops. Is that a real name? I don't know. And I don't really care to find out. No, <laughs> I, I I almost don't want to look it up. I think it is, though. Doesn't sound too much like a stage name. It's a nickname. Shania is a nickname, but Twain is her last name. That's a good name. That's a great the queen name. of country pop. The queen of country pop. She probably would have been usurped for that title if um, the biggest name in music hadn't decided to like just not do country anymore and dominate the other genres. But so good for her that she gets to keep that. Um, mm-hmm. But shout out to Shania, big time, big time. That's a good pick. I like that pick. Yeah, that's a good pick. Um, I have two here. I'm trying to think what I want to do first. Um. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Jim Carrey. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna take Jim Carrey. Okay. Uh, some legendary performances in the '90s and the early 2000s. Ace Ventura. Um, he's great in the Truman Show. Um, just just a, a a bunch of good movies. It's kind of falling off. I wouldn't say he's like a he's not doing a ton right now, but I think from a childhood like the Grinch, his last one. No, he's been in stuff since then. Um. Yeah, but from a childhood bad. perspective, Jim Carrey was so freaking funny. And he was like, the way his comedy was, was so outrageous <laughs> that he would try to like do the stuff that he did. Um, 
So I'm a I'm a big gym guy. I've always been a big gym guy. So I wanted to make sure I got him in this draft. Maybe could have got him a little lower, but I'll take him right here. And then with my next pick, um, any you had more to say about Jim there? I already say. I was just gonna say like Ace Ventura is so goddamn funny. It like, really is. I don't think that movie gets. I don't think that series more so. What, what's not pet? What's uh, not pet detective? What's when nature calls um, is the second one. Um, it's when nature calls. Uh, yes, yes. Like when he's crawling. I mean, crawling out of the ride out is like an all time scene. It's just so funny. It's, like, yeah. it's always sunny. Doesn't have Danny DeVito climbing out of the couch if Jim Carrey doesn't come out of that rhino. So. <laughs> That's a great pick. Um, and then bah, 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 bah. yeah, I'm taking Rachel McAdams. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Legend. Legend of the game. Mm. Regina George, one of the all timers. Also in the notebook. One of the great TV I mean, movies. Wedding Crasher. Wedding Crashers. Yes. 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 I think that's where she's my number one. Rachel, yeah, 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 she's amazing in Wedding Crashers, amazing. So, she also is like good in drama, good when she's funny, obviously, very pretty. So, gotta get Rachel on the Got board there, very likable. Mm-hmm. She was pretty much the it girl for a while, she, she had quite a run. One of the um, one of the all time um, award show moments when she kisses. Yes. Um, Ryan Gosling at the Gosling. MTV Music, uh, the MTV Movie Awards in like 2006 or something. That's a kiss, true. Right? Uh, that's oh, a yeah. true. Yeah. Mo- that is a true moment in time. I mean, you watch that clip back. Like, who's in the mm-hmm. audience? It's very, very entertaining. So I'm gonna take Rich. Yeah. Shout out to you, Rich. Thanks. Did we lose I'm going to take, uh, <laughs> I mean, if we ever did a draft of people that I think are just universally liked, um, I think, can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can hear you guys fine. Can you hear me? We can. You were okay. paused there for a little um, bit. We thought I might have lost you again. Go... Okay. Well, I'm taking Ryan Reynolds. I think Ryan mm. Reynolds is one of the most likable out there. Um, you're not going to find people shitting on Ryan Reynolds. He's just one of those guys. He's in that Scott Van Pelt realm where it's just like, hey, I like whatever that guy does, it seems to be likable no matter how he does it. So that's my pick. Good pick. Mm-hmm. I like Ryan. Yeah. The, the the um the stuff with Wrexham has been very good for him as well. That that stuff is awesome. Oh, for sure. So- soccer team. And and I think everyone's introduction was mostly Van Wilder, which is Probably also an underrated movie, all-time movie. Mm-hmm. Um, just a very likable character in that movie. And that kind of set the tone for the rest of his career where he does that, like, hey, we're in an action film, but, but I'm cracking jokes while I'm doing it. Like, that whole vibe that he gives off. Yeah. Was, was, was great Van Wilder before – was that before or after Waiting? Yeah. I think it was before. I think it was, too. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good pick. Um both on my list, both those picks. Um, let me see. All righty, and this is I. So this is where I thought you were going, Brian. You were talking about universally liked, universally loved. Um, I think someone we all kind of grew up with, Alex Trebek. Who? Mm. 
that that's it when because the second you said universally liked i was like oh yeah i know I great know value yeah again i mean him in the third i'll say i'll take that um or third second round my second my whatever my third pick um again i mean you could just tell like when it was announced that he got you know that he was sick and he had cancer like the tributes that came out were unreal like I still remember the one where the guy wrote on the Jeopardy board, like, what is We Love You, Alex? And he couldn't even read it and just, like, finished the show. Um, and that was one of the ones where you knew that, you know, his story wasn't going to end there in a in a happy way. And I think it, 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 everyone, I mean, he reminded me, it reminded me of when Robin Williams died and everyone was just like, again, not one bad thing. Nobody had ever said a bad thing or you know, there was nothing bad about it. Even if you didn't watch Jeopardy or you weren't into, you know, game shows, you know, I mean, one of the best Alex Trebek moments is when he goes on um, Celebrity Jeopardy on SNL. Like he he knew, I think he knew how well he was respected and liked and I, he was just the man. So I have to take him with, with that pick. I think he could have taken him 1-1 and no one would have had an argument. Yeah, yeah. Like he he he, he was at the bottom of my list. But but not not on my on my rankings. He was just down there. Um, I think it's a great so I, pick. I'm taking. I'm taking. Um, bu- 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 what was his name? Alex Trebek. And then I'm going to take. Um, I'll take Seth Rogen. Mm. I think he's he is a guy who I think when his acting career started, you know, it was like oh, he'll he may be the funny guy in some stuff. But like he'll, always, I think he'll always be kind of the fart joke, or he'll he'll be you know what? Oh, he's uh, guess what? His character smokes weed. Like oh, he's a funny guy. But like, I think I think he's pretty like universally loved, like and respected in like the film community. I think he does like production and stuff like that too. And he seems to he kind of has like the Johnny Knoxville trajectory where I think people think he's like a joke at first, and then you kind of realize like oh no, this guy's like actually very creative and smart and like like it's kind of like John Cena. And, or Ashton Kutcher. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Ash. Yes. Very, very good one in Ashton Kutcher. Like he isn't. Well, it, again, the guy, we get it. The guy loves smoking weed, but like, I think he's, I think he's a very smart person. Like, and, and, you know, again, I think he does production or something like that or owns some company like that. Um, and I just think he's a very funny actor too. I think he's very good. So we'll take, we'll take Seth. Good pick. Thanks. Hmm. I'm gonna take the man who brought uh tequila to Canada, uh Dan Aykroyd. Found a patron. Did you know that, Taylor? Oh uh, yeah, that's no. right. He found a patron. Yeah. Yep. Dan Aykroyd. It's a godfather of tequila. Which not that many people know. Oh. That's a good pick. Yeah. I thought he about also sang some songs. That is a good pick. With John Belushi. Um, That's a very good pick. Did some some car commercials, auto parts, and such. He did a lot more. He did a lot more. I'm selling him way short here. He did. No, Dan Aykroyd's a legend. He's a legend. I think you can just say legend. Legend. He's a legend. Um... I have two more here. I want. Uh, I'm going to leave someone off that I really want to take, but I'll talk about an honorable mentions. But I think I need to get these two to round it out. I'm going to take uh, Avril Lavigne. Um, one of the great first albums of all time. 
I'm taking Avril. Complicated skater boy. I think I know who you're you're thinking about taking, but my with my next pick, well, Taylor. I don't think yeah, she I do. think I know who you're talking about when you're going to leave somebody off. Oh, I don't know. I don't. I feel like I'm going to miss somebody in this draft that I should take. I'm really nervous about missing somebody that I is like one of my people that's Canadian, and I'm just forgetting about them. I'm very nervous about it, and I feel like that could be someone you're talking about, which would which scares me. That just scares me very much. But I love Avril Lavigne. I'm taking Avril Lavigne. Um, Good pick. She should be taken. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like especially like the three of us are very much in the Avril Lavigne age range. Like we're yeah. right there for the star. Like, yeah. Well, I yeah. Well, I I I think it's respectful of you guys for not asking which Avril Lavigne I'm taking. I think that is a a testament to the class you guys have. I'm I'm so over the fake Avril Lavigne. <laughs> you know what that. Fake Avril Lavigne is those people are the same people that say, you know, birds aren't real. And like that, I, that, I hate that shit. I hate it. But you're out on quick. that. You're out. Of, you're out on that entire. Yes, I'm out. I'm out. Um, tell, tell the people what we talked about before. Banks knows who Avril's new boyfriend is. Tyga. Wow. Interesting match. I didn't expect that one. That that was was on TMZ today. Wow. How about that? How about that? Hmm. I am so... I am so torn here. I am so torn here. Ah, fuck it. I'm taking Chad Kroger. (laughs) I'm doing it. (laughs) Give me Chad. (laughs) Give me Chad. I didn't know if you were on that. Uh, Banks, you definitely were though, considering that the way you just reacted. <laughs> I'm taking Big Chad. We all just don't want to be big rock stars, baby. Freaking Nickelback. Nickelback, it's a bad rap. They have bangers when they come on the bar. Everybody sings it. Everyone likes to get all high and muddy about Nickelback. Those songs bang. They had a moment in time. And Chad, I love doing my Chad Kroger impression. I will not do it. I will not do it on the show. I think it might break the mic. We all just don't want to be big rock stars. There you have it right there. So what? This is how you remind me. They dated. I know they they were married at one point, I think. Yes. They were married at one point. He dated some 41 and that dude. Just like a paperback novel. Um (laughs) yeah. So, I yeah, I had to get him. I had to get him. Banks almost guilty to be into it. If I hadn't taken him, I almost would have been a fraud. So I'm not going to be a fraud. Mm-hmm. My apologies to my other pick, Banks. Uh, there was another Raven storyline that happened in the last week. We're bringing back Brent Urban. That's my pick, the Canadian Raven, two-time Raven. Um, he's actually one of the first like athletes that ever followed me when I started with Barstool and everything. Um, I just made it a point like anyone would to immediately follow everybody who we drafted. Um, and at that point, I think I'd accumulated like 1500, 2000 followers or something. And he didn't have many followers cause he was just some tall guy at UVA who wasn't necessarily like a standout in any way. Um, and so he followed me back and Tried to recruit him my softball team, and he said he was down. It just never happened. But, uh, yeah, I'm happy to have Brent Urban back. The Canadian Raven. 
Always been a good Raven. I like yeah. Brent Urban. Yeah. What's not to like? Where where did he go when he left the Ravens? Uh he went to the Bears, the Bears? and I think he spent yeah. some time in Dallas. Sounds right. Sounds right. Um trying to think RDT if finish another it. one in there, but yeah. Is this my my last pick? This is it. It all ends here. Uh I'm taking Sloan from Entourage. I knew you were gonna do that. That was an inevitable mm. pick there. Yeah. I you want to tr- try to give her you want to try to give her name a shot here out of respect? Um um, um, um can I look guy? at it or off the top of sure. my head? No, look at it. I got it All off right, the top of my head. I also do. It's 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 kind of bad you don't know it off the top of your head. It's a, I honest. know, I knew it was a man, it's a manual, and then I just don't know how to say her last name. Shikri. Sh- I I believe. Unless Banks has a real pronunciation, I think it's Shikri. Yeah, so I have no idea. Yeah, Sloan, who again I first learned of Sloan in Waiting, which had Ryan Reynolds. Mm. Mm. She's the les- the lesbian bartender in that movie. Great movie. Fantastic I don't think I've ever movie. seen that movie. Um, you said you haven't it's seen been it a long time. Mm-mm. Oh, it's a great movie. It's so good. It's one of those like you look back at the cast and you're like, how did they have all these people? Um, but yeah, I I mean it doesn't. I don't think much has to be said. It's Sloan, and this is a firm bonk pick here. One of the, I mean, the, the one of the best lines of the the entire show involves her, but it's not from her, and it's just from Seth Green saying, telling E, tell Sloan I said, what is it? Oh fuck, is it tell Sloan I said hey or tell Sloan I said sup? Might have been. I sup. think it's hey. I think it's hey. Great. It's just a great. It's a great. She's great. She's the best. Yeah. Everyone loves Sloan. Tell Sloan, I said, what up? That's what it is. Tell Sloan, I said, what up? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, good draft. Tell Sloan, I said, what up? Oh, I can't wait to watch this tonight. <laughs> I, took, <That> clip. <laughs> I took Bieber, Jim Carrey, Rachel McAdams, Avril Lavigne, and Chad Kroger. What a draft. Banks takes Wayne Gretzky, Shania Twain, Ryan Reynolds, Dan Aykroyd, and Brent Urban. We should do this more. This is the sheer nationalities. This is kind of fun and easy. RDT takes Drake, Pam Anderson, Alex Trebek, Seth Rogen, and Emmanuel Shikri. I have a ton of honorable mentions. Um, I was going to take, instead of Trad Kirker, I was going to take Chris Jericho to get a wrestler in there, but... I did not. So there's a variety of wrestlers. Chris Jericho, Bret Hart, Trish Stratus. Um, the two guys that have been huge the last couple uh, last few months, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. A um, lot of good Canadian wrestlers. Roddy Piper, I believe, is Canadian, even though he obviously has the Scottish mm-hmm. thing going on. Yep. Um, I had the had uh, Alicia Cuthbert, Nina DeBrev, um, Lorne Michaels. Sean Mendez, Shea Mitchell, shout out to Pretty Little Liars, Shea Mitchell and Shea Gilgis Alexander, uh, Edge also a wrestler, Christian also a wrestler, uh, The Weekend, who I almost took, who I love, Celine Dion, legend, probably maybe should have been drafted. Mm-hmm. My other consideration with Chad Crowley yeah. was Carly Rae Jepsen. Um, yep, She's- and it, right there with her Nelly Furtado. Um, also George Saint Pierre. And Jamie mm. Saleh and David Peltier 
Legends of the 2002 Olympics and the judging scandal involved. <laughs> so I had to make sure they were in there. And Tim Horton, uh, owner, uh, f- former NHL player and co-founder of Tim Hortons. In my least favorite Canadians, and I don't know if this will resonate with you, but I have to say this for the benefit of my friends that watch F1, Nicholas Latifi, what an absolute joke. Thank God he's out of the sport. He would he is at the bottom. I wanted to make sure it's known he is at the bottom of my draft list. Of, he's at the top of my draft list of worst Canadians, bottom of my best Canadians. Latifi stinks, and he's an embarrassment to the sport. RDT, who are your honorable mentions? I had uh, Michael Sarah, who is just a fantastic actor and everything he's ever been in. Tom Green, um, again, a real throwback to to when when comics could be comics. Uh, Carly Rae Jepsen, obviously. Mike Myers, too. I thought he would get a lot yeah. of love. I, yeah. I've watched Shrek and Shrek 2 uh, over the last week, like four times with my daughter. And Shrek is Shrek is very funny. Just awesome. Great. So great. Not They're- maybe not. One of the top, co- co- <laughs> what did he say? It was one of the best comedic movies of all time. White Sox, Dave. He picked it like number three in the draft. <laughs> it's a great, it's um, funny. We were uh, across the street at the bar for, for a little bite yesterday, and uh, they were just playing a bunch of Smash Mouth. And I was like, oh, it's when Smash Mouth came on again when we were watching it, I was like, all Star was such a fucking hit, like banger. Oh, and, I mean, massive. now I'm a believer. Thought, you know that cover. It, it, that it's, 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 a, it's a great, great franchise. Costco so. used to sell CDs that had that gigantic mm-hmm. plastic. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> those yep. are so ridiculous. I remember that. Uh, I remember that. Um, there's gonna be a lot of Eric, you don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Eric Gagne and uh, and Joey Votto was my last two. <laughs> Eric Gagne, yeah, I like that. One. I was gonna say Jason. Jason Bay. Jason Bay, naturally. But no, I remember when Gagne, when his streak broke, I remember waking up and reading it on like Yahoo or something like that, that like he blew a save. And I remember being like legitimately being like, oh my God, like that one of the greatest records, like that that was unbelievable. Like, I remember being like upset about it. And then obviously ju- he should just be an honorable mention for that at bat versus Bonds where he was just chucking heat, just roided out of his mind. Chuck and heat against Bonds. So great YouTube video. I love when that video surfaces on Twitter too. It's very yeah. Good. It's like the grainiest video you'll ever see, and it's like two behemoths just going at it. Um, Taylor Kitsch, this Canadian. Yes, Timmy Riggins. Yes, good call. Yeah. Um, Tom Wilson. Tom Wilson. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Mr. Handsome. Yeah. Well, there's a lot more, but we could we could go all night with Canadians. There's a lot of a lot of big time Canadians. There are. We love Canada. I I would like to go to Canada. I've not been. I know you were in Toronto banks a couple years ago, and you very much enjoyed it. I went to an Argonauts game. It was fantastic. Was that when you were there during when Taylor Swift was touring for the Rep Tour? Was that that time? I believe that was one that was going on. Yeah, I um went through security with Brian Adams. Hmm. Wow. Hmm. Another yeah. great Canadian. He, he got held up by TSA. As he should have. He was like sitting on the, uh, you know, what, what are they like? Metal. They're not, they're tables. They're tables. Oh, I might forget how to say table. Like the ones <laughs> that you, you get inspected at, like he was just sitting on it. <laughs> Nick Cannon Radley, Maryland person of the week. Uh, Banks, I'll let you start it off. 
Uh, the PGA Tour. The PGA Tour is crushing it right now. Two elevated events in back-to-back weeks, and uh, they've just been fantastic events. Um, the stars have aligned, both literally and figuratively, for them. Um, just John Rahm is playing out of his mind, um, and he's really been playing at a level where he should have been winning more uh, the last like three or four years, and those wins are starting to flow in a big way. Max Homa putting his heart out there and saying all the things he did after coming up just short. Tiger Woods shooting a goddamn 67 on the PGA Tour um, on a Saturday on a weekend. Unbelievable stuff. Um, and then you get the Netflix show that came out on Wednesday. Uh, delivered on expectations, I would say yes. They didn't exceed them, though. Um, I think the casual sports fan or even less than a casual sports fan, like, it's really catered towards them and they're going to love it. And that's the idea behind it. Um, but it feels like everywhere I turn the PJ tour has been winning in the past couple of weeks. I, yeah, the, the ROM stuff, I think the golf is awesome when you have guys that show the ability to be dominant because it gives everyone else someone to slay. And that's what ROM is right now. Like, He's never going to be like a Tiger level guy, obviously, because Tiger is just a phenomenon that will never happen from a dominance perspective. But like, I think it is good. Like, if you have John Rahm as like the guy, he just has to now be in contention at the majors, and he makes it. He elevates it more when he's involved. And Tiger being back involved just brings the eyes. Like that was huge for Tiger to play all four days because that brings the eyes to the Rahms and the Homas and the guy and the you know and the Morikawas and some of the guys that were involved this weekend. So was great that Tiger played this week. That was, I think, big for the PGA Tour. Very cool, yeah. And just, like, him making the cut on the number kept people watching on Friday afternoon pretty late and just all-around great tournament. There's a lot of more a lot of more great tournaments. I'm excited to see. I mean, we talk about Tiger. The, he, he made it through four days as well as you could have expected. And he said going into the week, like, I haven't walked 72 holes, but, like, I'm definitely walking better. Like I've progressed and there was a point in time, especially after like things kind of wilted throughout 2022 culminating in what we saw at St. Andrews, which was just, you know, shell of him. Um, There was reason to maybe believe that the comeback was just kind of for the Augusta appearance the one time. And then that might kind of be it. Um, And now he says he progressed and it shows. So I'm optimistic he might play the players championship next month. And then we'll see how he does at that. And it's a course that could fit him where he could finish high. He's won there twice. And then it's Augusta and anything can happen there. He knows his way around better than anybody. So. Yeah. I mean, the thing was, and I think we talked about this before, like when he was, and everyone saw it on TV, so I'm not like telling him. But when we were, when I was there at Augusta last year, and he was there on Sunday, Saturday, and Sunday, he looked like a guy, like it was legitimately sad. And this was the master, so this is when he looked the best of all of the things he did last year. It was like sad watching him walk around on Sunday. Like it was cold. He looked so stiff. He was like trying to like walk. I remember him trying to walk up the hill to like tee off at 11. And he was just like, it was hard to watch. And like, he walked right past me. And I was like, this is like sad. I love Tiger Woods. And the way he looked this week was so much different than how he looked at the beginning of his year last year. And 
as we talk about, like anytime he's involved is good. Like even if he's not going to be in contention, just him being there the first two days gets more people tuned in and it gets exposure to your other guys. And he's just, he is the epitome of good for the game. The epitome of good for the game for the PGA tour. So I agree. I love where golf, it's golf's fun. And then now this week we get to watch live on CW. So it's even better. <laughs> it's going to be great. Um, RDT. Shit. Um, I love when our, I know RDT doesn't have one. It's one of my I, favorites. I had yeah. no, I had no one. Shit, we just yeah. Said, yeah, shit. That, talked that about golf for twenty five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I mean, I was right there. I was watching all Sunday. That was so much fun. Um, that course is also amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I mean, it, that my dad. Where was it played? It wasn't in L.A., right? Where it was in. Um, it's Riviera, it which is LA. in L.A. My dad, he he played this. He yeah, pal. He was like he was like I think I've played this. It's in L.A. Blah blah blah. I think I've played this. And then he looked at it up and was like Palisades, and he's like I've never played there. But he was like, but I've been to this court. Like I I think I've played it. But it was a whole internal battle between. <laughs> it was like between whole like fifteen and eighteen, where he's like it's, I think I, I think I was there. Like, it's kind of infuriating for me to hear somebody not be sure of whether they played that. Course played Riviera, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, because he's like, he's like, when I'm there, they don't have the like, you know, the the grandstands and stuff like that. The grandstands so, and everything. He's yeah, like, I don't. Such I an iconic have, hill. That's what he said. He's like, I think I've hit that hill. Theater of that. There's the there's the the argument that is the best of all of the courses played in a regular PGA Tour event. That is the best of the year. So. Come on, pop RDT. I'll I'll have to I'll I'll have to get him an answer, but um, shit, I had one and I do not remember. Um, I can take one if you want, if you'd like to. Think. Yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll pass off. I think I have to take this. I mean, it was the scene in College Park last Thursday. I mean, uh, one mm. of the raucous environments I've ever been a a part of in College Park, and I you know have rooted for Maryland for a long time, but I didn't go to like a ton of games growing up. Went to a decent amount but not like a ton of like huge games the only game i can compare it to from like a top of the line loudness and this might sound insane is the 2010 gravis vasquez senior night game which i went to as a senior in high school um where that place was just absolutely on fire this i mean it was like the right type of crowd i remember me and one of our uh, basketball staffers, Chris Robinson, before the game, he was like, this is the right type of crowd. And it was just like a very like clearly like liquored up fraternity guys that had all gotten there first. And, I, and they were all like rowdy for the game. And I was like, this place is going to be popping. And once all the general public got through the traffic for the 630 start, by the end of the first half, it was like ready to go for the second half. Um, and the court storm was awesome. You obviously want to now be in a point where you never have to storm your own court again because you want to be a good team. But that was a perfect time to storm. Um against the Purdue team that has now gotten stormed on twice in the last 10 days, which is brutal. Um, it was just cool. It was really, really cool. The The 26 to four run was epic and will be remembered for a long time. Um, one of the great like single game runs in a Maryland basketball game. I can remember for a long time. And um, they followed it up with a disappointing loss in Nebraska, which was tough, but that's just kind of how the big 10 goes. But yeah, for, a, for a night in time, um, just amazing. It was very fun to be able to like be a part of it in any small way. So shout out to shout out to the shout out to Turp Nation. Got back on the horse and, and really showed the country what kind of an environment that place can be when it is at the top of its game. So that picture of the guy standing on the rim is like 
I think I've read that he got arrested. And I don't know if that was true or not. I it was uh, not he was me. getting arrested and they ended up letting him go. I they let him go. Yeah, I, I mean, mean he's banned from the arena. Don't quote me on that. I believe he's banned from. Mm, should have him on the pod. Yeah, we should bring him on. Yeah, we should bring him on. He's that on the was, cover. He's on the cover of the Washington Post and the Baltimore Sun. That's wow. what I'm saying. That's Good one of the him. cooler, cooler pictures Maryland basketball will ever have. Like Juan throwing the ball up. Um, like I mean, there's there's a, there's a bunch of epic ones. I mean, there's like Jameer. Like, yes. So we're running on the court, and it's me, our our video guy, Connor Bash, and our photographer, Mackenzie Miles, and we're like all running the same direction towards Jameer, and he turns and just stares and at, looks. at Connor and Mackenzie, like makes eye contact with almost with both of their cam both of their cameras. It was sick. So if you watch, you see that photo, you have all the people rushing, he's like looking at Mackenzie's camera. And if you watch Connor's video, he there's a point where he looks at Connor too. Very cool. And then he just turns around and sprints towards the students. It was, it was sick. Like it was like a very mm-hmm. cool moment. And that's what all the students came towards Jameer. Cause he's, you know, become the star of the team. Um, you have that photo. And then you have all the photos from above, which were amazing, which are, are yeah. one of our students, Taylor McLaughlin. She took all those photos. She's like a lifelong Maryland fan. She, so cool I, moment I her. follow her on Twitter. She's a great follow. She posts a lot of the cool, like, pictures and photo shoots and like behind the scenes stuff in Maryland. She does some awesome stuff. Like yeah. she documented the whole um Talia and the goat like photo uh photo yep. shoot and it was great. It was yep. really she cool. She was calling she was calling farms for like an entire day. <laughs> yeah. She put amazing. up a video of her calling farms being yep. like hi from the University of Maryland. We need a goat and then like, now what we messed up in that is we have a farm on campus. <laughs> You've got a farm like <laughs> right next to Comcast. Five hundred feet from the arena. <laughs> Tough. Tough, tough, but we figured it out. But yeah, some amazing content came out of that. I've never been a part of a court storm. So, oh, that's not true. When we stormed the court against Virginia. I was on the floor trying to get guys, but it was cool to be in the middle of it. Um, and yeah, like you said, the guy standing on the hoop was iconic. Um, Jameer Young is also in one season becoming like a guy that I think people will remember for a long time. He is amazing. I I was just going to ask, where does he fit in like the Des Wells, Suleiman Oh, um, he's better um, than Suleiman. I mean, the the like where does he fit? Like Suleiman was liked, but like, like that's what oh, I'm saying is no. like a fan. Dez, I think he's, he's up. up he's I more think... with Dez. He's more with Dez. He's more with Dez. Suleiman's mm-hmm. not on those guys' tier from like a one year transfer standpoint. Um, well, I was just thinking of like just... the big transfers that they've got. I guess yeah. there's three now in terms of so, impact. Well, Mutan. Yeah, I mean, Mutan, Mutan transferred right. Yeah, Mutan yeah, transferred Francis, in sort of, sort of yeah, from junior Francis. college. Um, Robert Carter, one of I know your favorites. Banks, uh, I I loved him. I loved him. Robert Carter, I was um, a big RC three. Logan, Logan now that's Hall. Logan Aaron Hall. Now that's gonna happen. Oh, Evan Smotrich, I mean, duh. How the fuck can I forget that? Yeah, Smot. Um, but yeah, I think I mean definitely in the transfer portal era. Obviously, he is mm-hmm. the he's the class of the and I, and they they're getting good transfers like Pat Emilian, who's a transfer this year, has, has been pretty good. Don Carey's been up and down. Mm-hmm. Good, really good kid. Um, but yeah, Jameer Young and uh, and Hakeem Hart is awesome as well. I love Hakeem Hart. So good for the Terps. That was a very fun night. It's a very fun night. Uh, I go back to you now, RDT. Oh, I thought I was just I thought I was just gonna hand it off. <laughs> I thought you. No, were I was uh, giving you time to think. That was oh, my shit. No, this I, is I so was bad. like, I, we've given you forty five yeah, minutes to think of this. This is so bad. Well, and then I was like, "Oh, I could have done the Terps," and I would that, that I had that idea in my head. But uh, I'll go Richard Belzer, the actor who died, who was in uh, Law and Order and um, 
Um, what else? Homicide and then The Wire. He had a little cameo on The Wire. He was a great munch on uh, on on SVU if you didn't uh, watch. He's a great, like, he just looked like a detective, the old white guy with glasses. I thought he was great. Sure Apparently, his face. if you saw him, you'll, you'll know right away. Um, but yeah, again, he was he was on oh, Homicide, which was a yeah, fantastic that's that's show. who I was picturing. It's exactly yeah. who you thought of. Yep, yep. That's what yeah. I was picturing. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, he, he's like, he he was right. So yeah, seventy eight, I think. Yeah, you know, he looked yeah. he looked eighty eight, but I just didn't sorry, expect dude. it to be the other one, the guy who's bald, shaved now. Is he buzz cut now? I don't know. Whatever. The guy's been gone as SVU forever. I don't know. I, I stopped watching it, but I don't know. RIP. He can't be on Dead or Alive now. Speaking of Dead or Alive. Speaking of, I was concerned that somebody might say him during um, or draft him. It's a Canadian. William Shatner. Alive and much older than I thought. I think he is alive. Yeah. He is 91. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Still alive, but 91. Wow. He looks he looks 71. Like, I think he looks good. He I mean, uh, the thing that jumps out, I mean, obviously it's math. It makes sense. But he's born in 1931. Like William Shatner was born in 1931. Yeah, that's crazy. That is crazy. From Montreal. He doesn't make this. He doesn't make public appearances or anything, does he? Anymore? I think he just does commercials. No. Ninety-one for Billy Shatner. 2016, 17, and eighteen. He started in both seasons of NBC's Better Late Than Never. That's crazy. Travel series, in which a band of elderly celebrities tour East Asian Europe. So he's just doing a show about traveling in his mid to late eighties. There, I agree, exactly. RDT. If you had said how old is he, I would have said seventy six. Like yeah. I would have not he even flew, been in the eighties. He, he flew into space last year. Did he? Yeah, he's the oldest person ever go to space. Wow, Shatner in space. He's I, the man. He's the man. That's awesome. Yeah. Good for him. He's a WWE Hall of Famer, I think, in some way. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Got inducted in in 2020. (laughs) Doesn't that give you hope? Like, hey, maybe I could find a way in at some point. Like, some. I think everyone on the planet should have hope to be a WWE Hall of Famer. If you can figure out how to be famous (laughs) and and you like wrestling, they'll put you on and you can be a WWE Hall of Famer. If I can get famous, I can be a WWE Hall of Famer for sure. I'm going to try. It is. I am here by stating on the X52 podcast on February 20th, 2023, that I'm going to attempt to be a WWE Hall of Famer. Right, I don't know how it's going to happen, but there you have it. <laughs> good one. Billy Shatner's a good one. I'm glad you had a Canadian. Fed into the theme. Mm-hmm. He was, uh, he was one that I wasn't sure that I had done yet. So he's, you have not. He has had four wives. A little bit of a player. In 91 years, though, that's not bad. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Officer, Order of Canada. I don't know what that means, but sounds sweet. I am Space declaring career. on <laughs> February 20th, 2023, that I will become an officer in the Order of Canada. 
Cannot wait. October 13, 2021, a man went to space at age 90, six months and 22 days. <laughs> that is crazy. Good for him. Sur- Good for passing Wally Funk, who is 82. <laughs> Wally. Take, a, take a seat, Wally. Yeah. <laughs> How about it, big Fuck dog? Buddy. Yeah. <laughs> hope Wally hope, <laughs> hope Wally can live long enough to uh to go back up there. Well this is now he's gonna be dead. This is gonna be I bad don't, I don't. Wally deserves nothing but bad things. He's 84. <laughs> Bitch. Oh no, it's a woman. Even oh better. no. <laughs> Even better. Even better. Wow. Mary Wallace Funk, nicknamed Wally Funk. Oh, that's a tough moment for the pod. <laughs> Sorry to Wally. No, I mean that's a that's a, a, that's an her. innocent mistake. That's an innocent mistake. Oklahoma State alma mater. She became the oldest person to go into space July 20, 2021, at age 82, flying on Blue Origin's New Shepard spacecraft during a suborbital flight, breaking the record held by John Glenn for 23 years. Good for Johnny G. Her record would wow. stand until later that year when William Shatner's flight took place on October 13th. Shatner was age 90 at the time. Funk continues to hold the record for oldest woman to travel to space. So if Wally can keep going here, she's got a shot when she gets to 90. But um, that will be in a while. She's 84. This man's, so. this man's Wikipedia is fascinating. There's a section titled Work with Horses. Like wow. He's just got... He's just, Maybe on the College Park Farm. In 2018, Shatner was awarded the National Reigning Horse Association Lifetime Achievement Award. Wally Funk is a legend. Currently lives in Grapevine, Texas, enjoys sports and restoring antique automobiles. Do you think Wally's just hanging out till 2028 or something and she's just going to give it another go? No. Wally's flight was with Jeff Bezos, was also on the flight. How about that? Wally Funk, Jeff Bezos, Mark Bezos, and an 18-year-old Dutch kid named Oliver Damon. Wonder how he got on there. Doesn't sound like fun at all. Oh, his it was secured through an auction. Oh my god, his parents must have guess, paid for it. Wow. Blue Origin NS16. How about that? Further reading. My goodness. Mm. I'll let you delve into this as we sign off the show. Thanks to our sponsors, yeah. uh, Thread Level Midnight, <laughs> um, Fed Thrill, and Jimmy Seafood. Uh, you can follow the podcast at Exit52Podcast. Uh, make sure to give us um like, rating, review. This is our last podcast on Zoom. Um, More to come on that. but Fucking talk to you, Zoom. Yeah, we would like to eulogize. That's what I was gonna. That's what I was gonna pick with Zoom for my Nick Hanner medley, and I was just gonna trash it. Um, look, we've had some serious ups and downs with Zoom. From a now, some of it's self-inflicted because we have some have had connection issues and things like that. But um, moving into a different uh, podcast user space, which I think will be advantageous for us. Um, with some other news with that to come. So that is what we call a tease in the business. Um, but yeah, uh, do you guys have any last words about Zoom you'd like to get out before I finish this show? Our last we'll show on fu- Zoom. We'll fucking talk to you, Zoom. <laughs> you and you and That's Wally. You and Wally, what's your name? Oh, come on. That's that's get tough. lost. Don't do that to Wally. Tell you later. 
Don't let the door hit you. Oh, my God. That's horrible. Yeah, Zoom is tough at times. So, And now we will no longer have to use my – shout out to the University of Maryland for bankrolling the Zoom for the, last, for the last three years. Hopefully that's not against company policy, but what can you do? I mean, we we pay your salary, Taylor. That is true. That is true. You, you absolutely do. You absolutely do. Although I don't know, I'm not gonna get into it. Um the uh but yeah, Zoom is over. We are moving to better equipment. That's so on brand. Better uh better stuff. Yeah, this is on brand as banks just totally falls apart here from a connection standpoint. I think back. you're back. I think you're back. You're back. Follow Banks yeah. at Barstool Banks. Follow Eric at E-D-I-T-T-I-22. You can follow me at Taylor Schmidt 10. Like, rate, review the pod, do all those things. Follow us. More news to come related to our change with Zoom. So that should be very exciting. So be on the lookout for that. And we'll see you next time on the Exit 52 podcast presented by Jimmy's Seafood.